Welcome to Laces Out, an NFL podcast that goes over everything football. Here to talk all things football is your host Suhaib. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of this show. Yo, 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 what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Laces Out. I am your host, Sohaib, and today we are back with yet another episode, albeit a little later than usual. Forgive me for that. I just was a bit busy on Tuesday, so it's a bit later episode. I am recording as of Wednesday, 2 o'clock, so, you know, forgive me for that. But let's get right into it. In this episode, I got a stacked episode for you guys with a bit of a twist than compared to free- previous episodes. You know, of course, we'll go over, like, the news going around the NFL. We got quite a lot this week. Um, The main segment will look a bit different. We'll get into that when we get to that part of the episode. And then the usual, the team of the week, overreactions of the week, stock up, stock down, studs and duds of the week, and then end it all off with a quick look ahead to the Thursday night football matchup between the Ravens and the Buccaneers. But before we begin, I just wanted to remind everyone that Laces Out is an NFL podcast that goes over everything football. So if you're an NFL fan, this is the podcast for you. I don't know what you're waiting for. Go subscribe. We are available on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. You can find us at Laces Out on all those podcast platforms. All right, let's get right into it. Let's break down the news that happened around the league. Um, Going over a few injuries, uh, JC Jackson, he is out for the year. It is confirmed after that scary-looking injury suffered against the Seattle Seahawks. It is a, you know, just really unfortunate piece of news and just the play itself was really scary. Hoping for a speedy recovery from J.C. Jackson. In that same game, D.K. Metcalf suffered a knee injury. He is week to week and thankfully he is not expected to be out for the entire season. And then the New York Jets have been dealing with a ton of injuries this season and this week it just got worse. They lose both Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker for the season. Brees Hall with a torn ACL and Elijah Vera Tucker. I am trying to remember the injury, but however, he is out for the year. So two really big losses to this Jets offense that started to look like it was making a turn and, you know, heading in the right direction. And now with these two injuries, it's going to be really tough to see how this Jets offense succeeds similar to what they were succeeding with the past few weeks. So what did the Jets do after the Brees Hall injury news? They go out and trade for James Robinson. They get him for a conditional sixth-round pick, which could turn into a fifth if James Robinson reaches a certain amount of yards, which I think he's nearly halfway, if not a little less than halfway there. So the question is, how does this offense look moving forward? Zach Wilson needs to step up, and he needs to step up in a big way. After Brees Hall went down with an injury, this this Jets offense really struggled throughout the game. Whether that is going up against the Denver Broncos off uh, defense or it was just, you know, lack of game plan when Brees Hall went down. I don't know what it was. However, Zach Wilson looked really bad. And if the Jets want to continue this, their, the winning ways and stay on the winning track that they've been on the past couple weeks, Zach Wilson's going to need to step up and play like the number two overall pick that they need. And honestly, what I'd expect from this offense is... I'd expect the run game to not really take as much of a drop-off because you still got guys like Michael Carter. You're bringing a guy like James Robinson. That's a solid one-two duo to have in the backfield. Now it's just a matter of can Zach Wilson make the throws that need to be made. You know, instead of just dumping it off to a weapon like Brees Hall, 
he he needs to step up, and I feel like this offense will take a step forward if if Zach Wilson takes that step forward as a passer. However, I expect this run game to be as it was. Michael Carter is still a really good running back. James Robinson is a really good starter who is a year off of a 1,000-yard season or two years off. I'm not entirely sure. However, they still got solid running backs. To me, this this offense revolves around Zach Wilson, and he's going to need to step up if they want to continue this, the success they had with Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker. Speaking of offenses, the Indianapolis Colts make the switch at QB. Matt Ryan has been benched for Sam, for Sam Ellinger. Ellinger, man, I can't, whatever. <laughs> Sam Ellinger comes in, and he is going to be the starter for Indianapolis, Frank Reich announced. I feel like this is a spark the Colts needed. Matt Ryan just it wasn't working out with him. Something was going on, whether it was injury, which he which he's been dealing with the shoulder sprain. He just doesn't look the same even before the injury. And it's just the Colts needed to make a change. They kind of screwed themselves over without giving them a backup, you know, run a rookie option. However, Sam Ellinger comes in. You know, he's a guy that's that was relatively solid in college. Um I really don't know what to expect. In preseason, he really showed out. I think he was the third best QB or third highest greatest QB in preseason. But, you know, just what to expect from Sam Ellinger. You know, he has a lot of intangibles that, like, really, like, stand out stand out to me. You know, he has a ton of experience, especially in the college level. He plays with a toughness that you'd like out of your starting QB. And honestly, I feel like he has really good arm talent. You know, some of the stuff that, you know, that really that you need in, that, in the next level to succeed, you know, Solid arm talent, you know. Um, you know, just being able to be... This is what I feel like, you know, separates him from... I'm not saying he's going to be better than Matt Ryan, but, like, the type of spark he gives this offense that Matt Ryan simply couldn't offer, and it's mobility. Sam Ellinger isn't the mobile QB that, you know, you think like Lamar Jackson and whatnot. However, he comes in, he provides this Colts offense with another dimension. He doesn't make them more... He makes them more, you know, more, like, more dimensional. And it doesn't let this offense be more of like, you know, one dimensional when they were under Matt Ryan, when he know he's a pocket quarterback. He just doesn't fit in today's mold of a modern NFL quarterback. And I feel like Sam Ellinger will provide that for the Colts. However, I just want to see Sam Ellinger, you know, show a better deep ball. Actually, that's something he was struggling with when he was heading into the NFL. That was one of his biggest cons heading into the draft. You know, whether it was his deep ball, whether it's, you know, his IQ, he would sometimes force throws that just didn't need to be made. You need to live to make, you know, live another down is what they like to say. And it's just live to play another down. And it's just like Sam Ellinger needs to show that in order for him to be a successful starting QB. Is this going to work out for the Indianapolis Colts? I don't know. But for like to wrap up, to wrap up like what I want to say about this, I feel like Sam Ellinger will come in, give him a spark. He gives them an added part to this offense that was sorely lacking with Matt Ryan at home, which is mobility. As for the passing game, I think that takes a slight drop-off, but that's not what the Colts' strength is. The Colts' strength is rely on the run, let the run build the pass, and I feel like if Sam Ellinger makes the right throws, makes the right reads, I feel like this Colts' offense can you know, do better than what they've been doing in weeks past. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that, that move pans out for the Indianapolis Colts. And then finally, we got a trade. Not the trade you guys were expecting, not the big trade. However, it was a trade. The Las Vegas Raiders trade the defensive tackle Jonathan, Hanking, Jonathan Hankins in a 2024-7 to the Dallas Cowboys for a 2023-6. It's just a relatively, you know, just a move that just was made. And I just had to bring it up in the round that Fox Laces Out doesn't miss any single bit of news.
But yeah, that is it for the Around the NFL segment. Now time to enter the main segment. Instead of just listing key takeaways, I decided to go over a few topics and just go more in-depth in that rather than just listing off key takeaways. And the first one, none bigger than the QB controversy out of the New England Patriots football team. The biggest question that's being asked right now, who's the starting QB in New England? After Monday night's game, this is just the question that's been going around, whether you're a New England fan or the entire NFL. We're just trying to figure out who's going to be the starting quarterback in New England. And let me just give a quick overview of like the situation. If you, you know, you, you've been living, living under a rock and you don't know what's going on. After Bailey Zapp, you know, he, he came in after Mac Jones got hurt and Brian Hoyer got hurt. He lost his first game. However, that's he wasn't starting that game. It was against the Green Bay Packers. It was a tough task. But after um, being named the starter, moving forward, he went 2-0 as a starter. And Mac Jones comes back, and he was benched for Mac Jones. Mac Jones comes in, struggles, going 3-6 for six for 13 yards, throwing an interception that was really, you know, kind of mind-baffling. But he did it, and he was benched. Whether Bill Belichick wants to admit it or not, saying, oh, we plan on playing two QBs, he was benched. He was struggling. Patriots offense needed a spark, and they went with Bailey Zappi, a guy who led them to a 2-0 start, or a 2-0 record in this in the past two weeks. Bailey Zappi comes in, leads two touchdown drives, then struggled the rest of the way. So the situation the Patriots find themselves in is two QBs who showed they can be starting level QBs, albeit in different times. However, they showed their struggles in the Monday Night Football game. So the biggest question is who gives this team the best chance to win moving forward? And to me, I am going to go with Bailey Zappi. This offense, I don't know if it's just me, but this offense looks more fluent. It looks more balanced with Zappi under center. They were scoring points with relative ease. You can argue that they scored, you know, it was against the Detroit Lions. However, against the Packers, the Cleveland Browns, those two teams have really solid defenses. The Patriots scored 24 points against the Packers, and they scored 38 points against the Cleveland Browns. This offense looks better with Bailey Zappi at the helm. You're going to go through rookie, rookie struggles, which is what Bailey Zappi showed in this past game. However, I just feel like this offense just has more juice in it with Bailey Zappi at quarterback. It's no slight towards Mac Jones. However, I don't know. Just something feels off when Mac Jones has been playing the season. You know, whether, you know, could it, could it be due to the injuries he's been dealing with? However, this is what this is what we know about Mac Jones. He's not going to do anything that takes a team over the top. He's going to be a solid situational QB. And without Josh McDaniels, I don't think he can be that type of QB. Bailey Zappi has more arm talent. He's a more, you know, talented thrower, in my opinion. And I just feel like moving forward, the Patriots should go with Bailey Zappi. And I feel like he gives them the best chance to win moving forward. So we'll see how that goes. Bill Belichick has been really quiet about that. But I think they got to go with Bailey Zappi. I think that's the obvious choice. And I think that's the direction they got to go with. But it's going to be interesting because the Patriots are 3-4. and four. They need wins if they want to be con- competing in the playoffs, especially in a stacked AFC East and a stacked AFC they have they have the defense. They show they have the defense, but they just need to figure out the offensive side of the football. And the first step in doing that is figuring out who's going to be your QB for the rest of the season. Moving on to the next topic, and this is a topic split in two. Two teams that came in, arguably the NFC favorites heading into the season. And they have both been struggling, both going through losing streaks right now. Both lost the teams they were favored to win against. And that is the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the question I want to go over and break down is what's next for the Green Bay Packers and what is next for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Starting with the Green Bay Packers, you know, they're three and four. They're on a three game losing streak, losing to teams like the Giants, Washington, 
and the New York Jets. Teams that arguably you could say they were favored against. And they're on a three-game losing streak. And the list of QBs Aaron Rodgers lost to. Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Tyler Heineke. There's something going on in Green Bay. It's time to panic. I've been... I feel like this is a topic I go over every single episode is, is it time to panic in Green Bay? Is it time to panic in Tampa Bay? And frankly, yes. Yes, it is. You know, there's so many problems going on, whether it's on the field, whether it's off the field with both teams. It's just something is going on that's really affecting this team, both teams, but starting with the Packers. They're three and four. The biggest problems I noticed from watching this team play, wide receivers. They're not getting open. They're just dropping passes. They just don't have that guy. Aaron Rodgers had that guy in Devontae Adams the past couple seasons, and he looked like an MVP player. He was the MVP. He was the back-to-back MVP. He was unstoppable as a quarterback. And now without that guy, this offense has really struggled, and that's due to the fact, due to the inexperience they have, due to the inability of going out and acquiring talent to replace Devontae Adams. Their biggest mistake was going out. Yes, they drafted two Really, really good wide receivers, in my opinion. However, they don't have that veteran leadership. The most experienced guy, Randall Cobb, he can only do so much. Sammy Watkins, he only plays one one week throughout the entire year. And then you got Alan Lazard, who's the most experienced guy that plays week in and week out. And he's not a wide receiver one, as I stated in previous episodes. This team doesn't have that wide receiver one. They have a bunch of wide receiver twos and threes. And I feel like the biggest issue with this offense is their... They don't have that guy that defenses worry about, and that they don't have that Devontae Adams. Again, I keep going back to this point. They don't have that Devontae Adams, a guy that when this offense is struggling, when this offense needs a play, he goes out there, gets open, Rodgers gets in the ball, first down, touchdown, whatever it is. They don't have that guy anymore, and I feel like that has really hurt this offense in more ways than one. It has hurt the play of Aaron Rodgers. It has hurt the play of this running game. It has hurt the play of all these other wide receivers. Alan Lazard, you know, Amari Rodgers, Randall Cobb. They haven't looked the same without Devontae Adams. And I feel like this has to go back towards, the blame has to go towards the Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst. And then, frankly, some of the blame has to go towards LaFleur. He had he had the entire offseason to game plan, to kind of come up with a new scheme, a not a new, like, overhaul the scheme however come up with a new game plan a new scheme that could you know how would i put this revolve this offense around the players they have rather than just continuing the same type of offense offensive scheme and it's just not working and i feel like part of the blame has to go towards the floor and you know i'm not gonna blame aaron Rodgers. the reason why i'm not gonna blame aaron Rodgers is because he he's getting older and the packers haven't been helping him much and it's just there's so many factors going on with this offense. However, part of the blame does go to him. However, I'm not going to put the full blame on him. Back to what I was saying, though, on the wide receivers. They just don't have that guy. Offense is just super stagnant. Too many three and outs. That's another issue they have. You know, they, they have a hard time sustaining drives. This is something that the Packers really thrived in the past couple years. Just if, if they got three and out, if you if you stop them to three and out, that was a that was a win. Now it's like they're more likely to get a three and out than to get a first down, which is... Something you haven't been saying with the Aaron Rodgers-led offense, and that's really that's really one of the biggest issues is they've been really super stagnant. And then back to the uh, wide receiver issue, it's Rodgers not being in sync with his, with his set of wide receivers. Whether that's a Rodgers issue, whether that's a wide receiver's issue, there's something going on with that chemistry. Um, and then, you know, 
frankly, you can say this is arguably the biggest issue is the offensive line injuries. They have been rotating guys in and out, and that has really disrupted the rhythm. And when you have a new type of offense you want to implement, this these injuries having along the offensive line really doesn't help, and it doesn't help a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's gotten a year older and wide receivers that can get open. Rodgers needs more time, and it's just all these injuries has really hurt him. I feel like the solution to these problems, first and foremost, go get a wide receiver. I don't care what what, what you have to give up. Go get a DJ Moore. Go get a guy like Chase Claypool, AJ Green. AJ Green is, you know, the worst case scenario. However, go get a guy that ha- that can be the wide receiver one. DJ Moore is the guy they have to go get. I feel like that is the only option they have. Brian Gutekunst, if you want your team to compete this year, to make a playoff spot, which is surprising to say, if you want your team to make a playoff spot this year, you got to go out and make a move. You can't sit on your let's let's keep it pg here you can't sit on your behind and just sit and like expect this team to get better no you got to go out you got to make a move and you got to go and get that wide receiver one something that the packers have been sorely lacking this season and i feel like dj moore is the only option you got to go big or you know this team this season won't amount to anything and that's going to be a disappointment especially when you have a guy like aaron Rodgers at the helm who whose whose years are numbers playing his playing time is numbered and you got to go make a move and then other like other solutions you I don't know whether to put this on Rodgers but stop blaming each other that's something that I noticed Aaron Rodgers is doing quite quite a bit this season you know there was that quote saying like if you're not making the plays you should you know that should cut into your playing time you haven't been playing good Aaron Rodgers does you know you got to you got to take accountability the wide receivers they're inexperienced they're going to go through these grown pains and yes you know you don't you're mad at you know not having that guy not having that you know wide receiver one however that's not these wide receivers fault you got to show more you got to show more encouragement you know especially for these younger receivers show that you know all right we're going to get through this together you got to be a leader you got to step up and that's something Aaron Rodgers has failed to do because Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day he's yelling you know he's complaining not as much as a certain other quarterback which we'll get into however he still needs to show, you know, like all these like off the field quotes. He just got it. He got it. He's got to do a better job being a leader. And then, you know, from the wide receivers perspective, they the current receivers have to step up. If they don't make a move, so be it. Guys like Romeo, guys like Amari Rogers, who's been here for for a second year. Alan Lazard has to step up. Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, they, they have players and they just need to step up and take that, you know, be that guy for this Green Bay Packers team. And I feel like once they figure that out, because defensively, I feel like they have a top five defense. You can't really blame the defense. They haven't been making the stops because they've been on the field so much because this offense has been struggling. I feel like getting guys like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon going, and then, you know, one of the wide receivers stepping up, Aaron Rodgers playing better, then this offense will start, you know, start getting better, and then this team will start looking like the unstoppable team we expect this team to be. And, you know, it doesn't get any easier, though. With their upcoming schedule, they play at Buffalo, at Detroit, versus Dallas, versus Tennessee, and at Philly. Those are their next five games. I, The only game I see as a winnable game for them is the Detroit Lions game. That's the game where I say, like, okay, you know, there's no way they lose that. However, all these four, the other four games, I feel like there, there's a really good chance they lose all four of those. The Bills, Dallas, Tennessee, Philly. I feel like they're te- like with the way they're playing right now, those are games I don't favor them in. And it's crazy to think about that because teams like Dallas and Tennessee, those, those are teams Rodgers owns, especially Dallas. And it's crazy to think that you know, especially with it being at Green Bay, they're not really, they're not really as confident. But there's, it's time to panic in Green Bay. Something's got to change. Something's got to change really fast, and they're running out of time. Another team that's really struggled, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's so many issues going with Tampa Bay, but I limited it to just a few, just for the sake of time. 
the biggest issue, and I feel like I will get a lot of hate for this, but Tom Brady, whether it's his inaccuracy, whether it's him slamming tablets all day, whether it's him missing team walkthroughs, He's been, he's been a really big issue for this Tampa Bay team. I feel like all the drama that's been going around with Tom Brady, I think that's really affected this team in a negative way. And, you know, whether you whether you want to say it's the off-field issues, whether you want to say it's father time catching up to him, but to me, it's just, does he really want to play? Something's just really awful with him. We know Tom Brady growing up. He's the guy that's been super committed, sacrificed a lot to this game of football, and he showed that he was laser-focused year in and year out, and that's why he's been so successful. However, this year, you just don't see that with Tom Brady. You know, something just seems off with him. I don't know if that's due to the off-field issues and whatnot, but there's just something that seems completely off with him, and that's really affected this Tampa Bay team. Other issues that with this Tampa Bay team is, like, wide receivers, at the end of the day, you got to catch the ball. Whether it's um, the Mike Evans, we've seen that 75-yard touchdown drop. It was right in his hands. A guy like Mike Evans got him. Got, he has got to make that catch. Chris Godwin has been dealing with drops. Russell Gage, um, Kade and you know, guys you'd expect to make the play haven't been making the play for ta- for Tampa Bay. Whether you know, you can blame Tom Brady all you want, but the wide receivers at the end of the day, once they get the ball in their hands, they gotta catch it. They can't be dropping the ball because this offense cannot afford going behind the sticks. They just don't have that, you know, they don't have that juice anymore in them with guys like Brady, guys like Julio, who's you know barely playing. And then you know, looking at their offensive line, they. They need to do a better job. Yes, they've been dealing with injuries. Yes, they've been dealing with a ton of rotating pieces. However, I feel like this offensive line has the pieces. They have Tristan Wurst. They have Shaq Mason. They still got solid guys across this offensive line. They shouldn't be as bad as they have been playing. And for this offense to improve, it needs to start with the guys up front. They need to do a better job of blocking because Tom Brady isn't getting any younger. He's not getting any quicker. He's not getting any more mobile. They need to give Tom Brady more time. And once they give Tom Brady more time, that's it. You know, Tom Brady just needs time and he, he'll get it done regardless. You know, that's just Tom Brady. That's as much as I hate it. That's Tom Brady. Just give him more time. And I feel like this offense will, you know, improve a ton. And then ultimately, I feel like this is, this goes back to coaching. Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, they're doing a really, <clears throat> excuse me, a really bad job of, you know, finding the right game plan for this team because something is not working. And at the end of the day, they have the talent on the offensive side of the ball. They have on the defensive side of the ball where they should be winning games that they have been losing the past two weeks. And I feel like it's just a case of them being outcoached. You know, against the Steelers, the Bucks were completely outcoached. At the end of the day, you can't deny that. Against the Panthers, I, I really don't know. They just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just feel like Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich got to do a better job of, you know, calling plays and whatnot. And they just, I don't know, something's got to give. And that's one of the problems that I believe is hurting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some of the solutions, as I said, Brady's got to play better. You know, he's got to show that he's more committed. <clears throat> and then another solution, trade for offensive line depth. They have dealt with a lot of injuries, as I said. There's guys that they can get for dirt cheap. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a premier starter, but it's just some guy that can come in and provide really solid depth for this Bucks team. That's this offensive line that has been decimated with injuries, per se. And then finally, I think the Bucks need someone to be Brady's Gronk. And what I mean by that is they need that reliable target when no one else is open. When nothing else is working, Tom Brady could just rely on Rob Gronkowski to make a play, get that, you know, tough yard that they, they, they need for like to get the first down, to get that touchdown when the offense is struggling, Tom Brady could just go to Gronk and Gronk would make that play, that reliable target. Whether it's Mike Evans, whether it's Chris Godwin, whether it's Julio or Russell Gage, someone needs to step up, similar to Green Bay, step up, be that guy, give Tom Brady that security blanket and... Provide him with that, 
with that path of, you know, this offense is struggling, I need a play, I can rely on this guy. They need that guy to step up. And, you know, I am, I am, I'm looking at you, Mike Evans. I feel like Mike Evans has everything to be his Gronk. He's a big-bodied receiver. He's a reliable pass catcher. And Mike Evans just got to step up, and someone's got to step up. And I feel like Mike Evans has got to be that guy. Whether it's not whether it's Mike Evans or not, someone needs to be his Gronk, per se. And that would do a lot to help in this offense. And then looking at their upcoming schedule. Theirs is more easier compared to the Packers. However, they play Baltimore at home. They play the Rams at home. They play Seattle in Germany. And then at Cleveland. And then versus Saints. These are very winnable games for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if I were to say who has a better chance of turning it around between them and the Packers, I'd say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, they both can lose all these games. And especially Tampa Bay if this offense doesn't, you know, change or improve within the next couple weeks. Because they're going up against a really good offense in Baltimore. A really good defense in the Los Angeles um, with the Los Angeles Rams. A really good offense with Seattle. Cleveland is a really like team that you know you never know what to expect from them, but they have a really they have really solid pieces all around. And then the Saints, a team that has really had their number the past couple of seasons. So it's no easy task. However, I feel like these are games that the Buccaneers should be expected to win, especially if they have high aspirations for the season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Tampa Bay and Green Bay perform. But yeah, that is it for the main ta- for the main segment. Now time to get into the other segments. Team of the week, as you guys all know, this team of the week segment, I go position by position, give the best play, give my team of the week, basically quarterback, running back, three wide receivers, a tight end, offensive line on the offensive side of the ball, and then on the defensive side of the ball, four D linemen, three linebackers, which includes which includes edge rushers that are off outside linebackers, two corners, two safeties, and then a kicker. So for my team of the week, Joe Burrow, over 400 yards, three touchdowns. He's my quarterback. Josh Jacobs, three touchdowns. Um, over 150 yards. Give me Josh Jacobs and three wide receivers: Jamar Chase, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Boyd. No need to explain that. They absolutely had amazing games. George Kittle at the tight end position, and then offensive line: the Carolina Panthers, only allowing one sack and dominating on the rushing, on the on the rushing side of the ball. And I got to give credit where credits due. Carolina's offensive line they stepped up and they were a big part as to why as to how they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the defensive side of the ball, a guy that has been a, you know, common player on the Laces Out team of the week, Chris Jones. Um, he's a guy that really stepped up against San Francisco 49ers. And then Sam Williams, rookie out of Dallas Cowboys. Frank Clark, revenge game. Dermont Jones from the Denver Broncos. And then the three linebackers are Matthew Juron, Devondre Campbell, Roquan Smith. The two corners are Jeff Okuda and Justin Bethel from the Miami Dolphins. And then the two safeties are Andrew Adams and Jaquan Brisker, who has had a really bright start to the season, and he has been a really good pick for this Chicago Bears team. And then for the kicker, the Chicago Bears kicker, Cairo Santos. He was perfect, and he had a great game as well. But that is the Laces Out Team of the Week. If you agree or disagree, let me know. I am open to debate. Now time to move into the next segment. I don't have a name for the segment yet, You know whether you want to call it the take segment or reaction or reaction segment. However, I had, I mean, as you guys all know, give uh, type in a few takes and I am going to give my opinion whether this is a reaction or a, or a solid take or an overreaction. So he put Cowboys have the best defense in football. I think this is a good take because the Cowboys, the Cowboys are five and two and that is in large part due to their defense. They have stepped up in a big way even when this Cowboys offense has been struggling. So I am going to say that is a good take. The Giants can win the NFC East. I'm going to think that's a bit of an overreaction. And it's not because I th- I'm like not confident in the Giants. It's a pair of both. The Giants and Philly just being the best team in the NFC. I don't see Philly losing more than three games. However, I see the Giants 
losing at least three or four games as the season progresses. So I think that is a bit of an overreaction. Now, this one is an interesting one. The Broncos need to rebuild. It depends what you think by rebuild because they don't have their first round pick. That's going to Seattle. So can they really tank and rebuild? I don't know. You can't really trade Russ. You do have pieces you can trade in Jerry Judy. You do have pieces you can trade in Bradley Chubb. You have guys like Corlin Sutton, Melvin Gordon. You have you have pieces to trade. So I am going to say this is a overreaction because you paid Rush. No, Rush. Wow. You paid Russ $250 million. I don't think you can really rebuild after, like, you know, putting in significant assets to acquiring Russell Wilson. I just don't think this team can rebuild. So I'm going to say that is an overreaction. Speaking of Russ, his former team, Seattle, are they a, Seattle is a playoff team. I think that is a solid rea- that is a solid take because Seattle has shown that they have one of the best offenses in the league. Their defense has been getting better and better, and it's the younger guys stepping up. I feel like they're just going to get better. So I think Seattle can sneak into the playoffs, especially in a relatively wide-open NFC. And the NFC, they can arguably win the division with how bad this NFC West has been. So I am going to say that is a good take. I'm going to say Seattle is a playoff team. And then the Patriots. Are they in the basement of the AFC East for their foreseeable future? I am going to say that is a good take. Teams like New York are on the come up. Teams like Miami, they're like it looks like they're going to get, just get better and better. And then Buffalo's Buffalo. So I think the Patriots are going to be in the basement of the AFC East. And that is in large part due to the poor recruiting skills of Bill Belichick. The poor scouting of Bill Belichick. And he's a, a phenomenal coach. But Bill Belichick as a GM has really hurt this team. And I feel like they're going to feel the effects of that. And they're going to be in the basement of the AFC East. So I think that is a good take. And then for this one, I'm going to list a few coaches that I mean I'm, I'm going to go over a list of coaches that I mean put and say whether they are on the hot seat or not. Staley from the Chargers, is he on the hot seat? Yes, I think he is on the hot seat. Dan Campbell, is he on the hot seat? I think no. He's still in year two. This team is dealing with a lot of injuries. They don't have the personnel to, you know, win games yet. So I'm going to say no for now. And then Mike Tomlin, nah, you know, I'm going to stick by it. Don't be stupid. If you're, I've seen a few Steelers fans saying that Mike Tomlin should, you know, get fired. He hasn't done anything. Nah, Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he should not be on the hot seat. He's gonna leave when he wants to leave, and he's earned that right. And I feel like Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. So I think that's an overreaction. But that is it for that part of this segment. You know, for that segment, the take segment, we'll call it that for now. Let me know what your th- your thoughts on these takes, whether they are a good take or overreactions. Now moving on to the next set, of, uh, next set of segments. We got the stock up, stock down. Players that have seen their stock go up. Travis Etienne paired with a James Robinson trade. He has been getting more touches. So Travis Etienne's stock went up. Josh Jacobs, who's arguably looking like the best running back in football right now. His stock went up after last week's performance. And then Daniel Jones, who has, who's leading this Giants team to a 6-1 record. And he has looked relatively solid under Brian Dable. So his stock went up. And then people, uh, players slash coaches that stocks that went down. Mac Jones, he got benched. I don't think he's going to be the starter this week, so his stock went down. Matt Ryan got benched, so his stock went down. And then Dan Campbell, who lost yet another excruciating you know, loss. You know, <laughs> They were right there, but some of the play calls that they made just really just didn't work out. So Dan Campbell, I think his stock went down this past week. And then moving on to the next segment, studs of the week and duds of the week. The studs of the week for Laces Out are Kenneth Walker and Tyler Boyd. Kenneth Walker went 23 carries for 168 yards and two touchdowns. 7.3 yards per carry if you're doing the math. That is an impressive stat, and he looks like the lead back, the workhorse back out in Seattle. 
And then Tyler Boyd, eight receptions, 155 yards, and a touchdown. He had himself a game, so those are my two studs of the week. For my duds of the week, Jared Goff, he looked he has looked really bad the past couple weeks that he's played. Four turnovers, it's just not going to cut as a starting QB. And yeah, he had a really bad game, so he's my dud of the week. And then this is a pair, the Falcons pair, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Whether you want to blame them, whether you want to blame Arthur Smith, they still had a bad game. Combined, they had four receptions for 18 yards. London, one for nine yards. One reception for nine yards. And then Kyle Pitts, three receptions for nine yards. That's inexcusable for guys that are expected to be your top two weapons. I think so. They are laces out duds of the week. And then that is it for that segment. And then moving into the third and or the final segment. Looking ahead to Thursday Night Football, Baltimore Ravens, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As I said, this is a must win for the Bucks. They are coming off back-to-back losses versus... Kenny Pickett uh, slash Miss Trubisky, and then P.J. Walker. And the biggest question I have heading into this game is, can the Bucks' offense get anything going? They have scored over 20 only twice this season, and one of them was in garbage time versus the Kansas City Chiefs. On, and on the other side of the football, can the Ravens play a complete game? They have struggled to play all four quarters. They have looked really good in the first half and just completely fell off in the second half this season. I want to see if they can play a complete game, and that's going to be a really big deciding factor so those are the two questions or two things i'm really looking at is can the bucks offense get anything going and can the ravens play a complete game and play from start to finish for me the x factors for tampa bay it's brady if he plays good this bucks offense plays good this bucks team wins this game and on the other side of the ball at the baltimore ravens i am going to go with their cornerbacks i think if they step up and really you know really smother this bucks wide receiver attack i think they will really make you know, make life difficult for this uh, Tampa Bay offense. So I think they're the X factors. As for my predictions, I just don't see Tom Brady and the Bucks losing three games in a row. So I have them winning this game in a close one. I have Tampa Bay winning. Um, with that being said, that is it for this episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys did, make sure to leave a good review. You you can find us on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. Search up Ad Laces Out. You will find us. And then we are also available on Instagram and Twitter as well. We have interactive content on Instagram planned for you guys. And we post whenever we release an episode on Twitter as well. We are available on Instagram at LacesOutNFL. And we are available on Twitter at LacesOutNFLPod. Thank you guys for all your support. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode once again. Stay safe, stay well, and enjoy the rest of the week.